Over the next several weeks, you will hear some of our favorite episodes from last season. We will have brand new episodes launching in February. In the meantime, do us a favor and take a minute to rate, review, and share the show with your friends. Welcome to The Blue Cord. I'm your host, Karen Bajani, and this podcast is all about helping you know God and make Him known. I'm a former corporate executive turned author and ministry leader who spends her days now helping everyday believers just like you get wisdom, insight, and understanding to shine the light of Christ in your everyday life. Hey there, what comes to your mind when I say the word evangelism? Did something positive or negative come to your mind? When I was writing my book, The Blue Cord, most of the women in my focus groups had negative thoughts. And I did too, like it meant feeling pressure, saying the right words, having to memorize some complicated method or script, or just randomly pushing my agenda on other people without listening. They all thought of bad evangelism first. Can you relate? No one wants to be that person, that woman who pushes her faith on other people. Well, here's the thing. In an effort to avoid bad evangelism, we often revert to the other extreme and hold back from sharing our faith at all. Today, we're going to debunk this idea that telling others about Jesus means we have to push our agenda onto other people. And I've invited my friend Kayla to join me in this conversation. Hey, Kayla. Hey, thank you, Karen. Yeah. Hey, everybody. So first, let me tell you a little bit about Kayla. She is a homeschool mom of two energetic, sweet little boys, and she rarely has a moment to herself. In fact, she's done more things in the past hour driving over here to the studio than I have done all day with her boys. And she and her husband tie their time to befriend many refugees from many nations so that God can use their family to point them to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, Kayla, but I had about a million reasons, a million, why I could not tell others about Jesus, and they involved me feeling like, first, I couldn't do it, and next, I wondered if it was worth it for me to stick my neck out there. And I just wondered if you ever felt the same thing. Yeah, there's been times when the thought of, am I going to say something wrong? Am I going to offend this person? What kind of situation will stem from it? If it's a friend, is the friendship over? Is it family? Are they going to shut me down or start yelling at me? If it's a stranger, are they going to get upset? And it's just this fear that comes up sometimes when you have an opportunity to share. But when you let that fear sit, it holds you back. But when you let the Holy Spirit take over, that's when you see Him work. I love it. And we're going to unpack how that happened for you, because I know that in the beginning, it wasn't always like that for you. All of those concerns you shared, oh my gosh, I think we all have them. And listener, if you have them too, you are normal. We all do. It's like our human tendency to wonder, can I really do this? Do I see myself doing that? And again, what if I mess up? What if I did it wrong? What if somebody is offended? What if they pull back? All of those what ifs, woulda, coulda, shouldas. And we all do the best that we can with what we know. And oftentimes we end up dropping hints and we hope that someone else will ask us about Jesus. And we end up building our relationships with our neighbors and our coworkers or maybe a student with everything but Jesus. But here's the thing, 
hope is not a strategy. So today, Kayla and I are going to unpack three ground rules that I really think can free us up to be authentic Christian witnesses. So especially in our day and time. So Kayla, first, I'd love for you to unpack these together with me. Let's cover the first ground rule. And that is that you don't draw people to Jesus. So Jesus tells us in Scripture in John chapter 6, verse 65, that no one can come to him unless it's granted her first by the Father. So was there ever a time that you knew you should share your faith, but you really didn't know about this concept of looking for a person of peace. That just means someone that God is wooing to himself. Did you ever find yourself getting in this hole where you felt like it all depended on you? So me and my husband, after we first got married, we worked in China for four years. And while we were there, we worked with students and we had opportunities to share with them and to grow those relationships. And one of the things that my husband struggled with a lot was he would plant seeds and have conversations and even share the gospel, but all these walls would still be up. And for me, when I would share, sometimes I was afraid to share. And not because I was afraid for rejection from the students, but it was more because it's a communist country. At the time, actually, while we were there, it was pretty open that we were allowed to share. But we don't draw people to Jesus. Jesus draws people in. And like an example of that is there's a student I had about eight years ago. I still have a relationship with her. We have been discipling her since we met her. She loves the idea of Jesus. And it was hard at the beginning to share with her because of the limited English, because I'm an English teacher. And so most of the people that I help or work with don't have good English. But once the English starts coming around, then having a conversation about Jesus, it's a little difficult, but it, it can be done. And that's the boundary that I usually have to hurdle. But then once it's shared, there's an expectation that they're going to believe. Every time it's been shared or presented, she has rejected it. And it's been such a struggle because every time she comes to a confrontation or something in her life that's not stable, she comes to me and my husband. We both still communicate with her. And she asks questions. And she knows what the answers are. I point her back to Scripture. I point her back to Jesus every time. But she's like... I love the way you love. I love the way you live. And I'm like, and you know why I do that? And she's like, well, yeah, but you're doing it for you too, because that's her worldview. You live for yourself. And we pray like every day that she gets to know Jesus and we pray for her heart to change, but we can't make that happen. And there's friends that we've been discipling and reaching out to and have shared the gospel with and haven't seen any change. And that's been a struggle when you've been doing ministry now for about nine and a half years. And there's so many people we've shared with, but there's no fruit. And we just keep remembering like seeds are planted, seeds are planted. But you know what's great? We don't have to save them. And that brings us peace that we're still doing, we're shining Jesus' light, but it's not our job to save. And it gives us more of a relief. But yes, there's moments when it's hard. It's really interesting. Before I really understood this principle about person of peace, one of the big roadblocks in my mind of just even sharing my faith with someone, especially someone of another faith or culture, was thinking, 
I had to have the perfect words, the shiny testimony. I have to have memorized some complicated gospel presentation. And then I have this very unrealistic expectation that the moment that I shared that presentation, that person on the receiving end was going to say, yes, and then the clouds would part and the sun would shine down on them. But the fact of the matter is, when I share the gospel and you share the gospel with someone of another faith or culture who has a completely different worldview, that concept of Jesus and salvation in Jesus is incredibly foreign. And just like it was for the disciples 2,000 years ago, the scripture had pointed to Jesus for many years. And still, it took the disciples quite some time to just wrestle and really understand. So it's interesting that we have these expectations or we put these burdens on ourselves that when we share our own perfect words that we have to memorize that the burden is all on us. And really, in fact, it is not. Can you remember a time, Kayla, before you realized this person of peace concept? Yes. So before I heard of the term person of peace, I just thought that everybody needed to hear and everybody wanted to hear because everybody's lost. And so you would go up and everybody needed that opportunity. Everybody needed that chance. But what held me back was, what if I mess up? And then it was on me where their eternity was going to be and how I spoke to them. And there was a lot of training and methodology going into it. Okay, I was like, I got to do this right the first time. And I went to college specifically to study Bible and religion. So if a question got thrown at me, I knew the answer. I do still love to study apologetics. There's a time and a place for that. But when you're sharing the gospel, all you need is Jesus, like all you need is the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting you mentioned apologetics, because for someone like yourself who studied the Bible intensely, and you've studied every nuance, and you've studied apologetics, a natural inclination might be for you to kind of whip those tools out. And for everyday Christians like myself, see you do that and say, I could never do that. And what I hear you saying is, that's not how you lead when you share your faith. No, that comes when you're discipling and you're asking the deep questions. And if someone is seeking and they're asking the questions, but that's not what you lead with. And that's understood. This person is seeking. This person is asking questions. This person is open. You're just to love them and to share truth with them. It's not complicated. You don't have to get a college degree in order to share the gospel. And that's something I think a lot of people are like, I'm not educated enough to do this, or I'm not in the Word enough to do this. You need the Holy Spirit. And yes, get in the Word, get fed. Jesus does the savings, not you. If you feel like He's calling you to share, don't fear. He's going to take care of you. And you don't have to understand the eschatological principles of XYZ. The bottom line is that... Dear listener, you don't have the power to save anyone. So wherever you are on this journey, and if that's been a burden for you, I hereby release you of that burden. You can take it off your shoulders because that ground rule, the ground rule we just covered is you can't draw people to Jesus. Only Jesus does that. Let's go on to the next ground rule, and that is that you cannot rely on your own understanding when it comes to the mystery of someone coming to faith. And sometimes we can fall into this trap thinking that it is up to us to bring someone to Christ. When we walk out that front door, 
the burden is just too big and heavy for most of us. And so I think that's why so many of us hesitate and don't even share because the burden feels too great. What are your thoughts about that, Kayla? I think a lot of people are held back by that fear that they don't understand everything or they don't feel like they can answer every question. I remember when I was a teenager, my pastor was sharing on this. He was on an airplane ride with a Muslim. He was a pastor of a Christian church, and then he was sitting next to an imam Muslim. And he had it on his heart to share with a neighbor about Jesus because they're on the airplane. They have a long flight. And he shared with him. It turns out this imam, like he knew so much of the Bible. And their conversations afterward, the pastor said, I even had questions. And it wasn't because he struggled with his walk, but the questions that the man was asking were deep questions. And he's like, it's hard to share with others. But he's like, but it wasn't because you can simplify. You come back to the Word. You come back to Jesus. And you don't have to fear sharing because you have Jesus. We're afraid that we're going to get into that deep conversation and we're going to mess up and that person is going to be forever lost and it's not up to us. And there's so many stories I've heard otherwise. All you have to do is to just be open to sharing and let God take the reins. Whatever the answer is, that's out of your control. But what you can control is what you say and how you act and how you love. I love it. What you're saying just reminded me about a passage in the Bible that I studied this morning, and it was in Acts 13.2, and it was, while the people were serving the Lord and they were fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And so here's the point that I wanted to make. The Holy Spirit gives us distinct direction. And most of the time, God does not speak to us out of the blue. He speaks to us when we are listening. And so, Kayla, what I hear you saying is that we've got to be listening for the Holy Spirit, because when we are, He gives us distinct direction. And we don't have to worry or struggle and think, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? When they ask me some hard question, in that moment, the Holy Spirit will guide us. Have you found this to be true for yourself? Yes, I have. So we were driving home. It was late in the evening, and we were heading back to our house. And on our way, we went through this side street, and there was a girl sitting on the curb just chilling, and we drove past her. And I had this visceral feeling to turn around and go back and talk to her. And I was just like, Lord, is that you? And it got loud. I was like, that is so weird. I'm not going to go talk to some girl on the side of the road. What? No, I I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to do it. I was going to stay in the car and just keep my mouth shut and we're going to drive home. And we go a little bit ways and I started feeling like physically sick, like my stomach started twisting. I was like, okay, I don't want to do this. And so I turned to my husband. I'm like, can you turn around and go back the way we came? And he's like, why? And I was like, God's telling me to go talk to that girl we drove past. My husband didn't question it. He turned the car around, kept going. And I thought, oh, why didn't you just think I was crazy and stop the car? That's insane. What are we doing? And he's like, okay, so what do you want me to do? I'm like, I don't know. And so we pulled up next to this girl. We get back to that side street, pull up next to this girl. I jump out of the car and I go and I sit down next to her. And she's a little bit weirded out. I'm a little bit weirded. I'm like, God, what? And I just decided, you know what? I'm going to let him talk. I just, I didn't know what to do. So I was like, so I know this is weird, but I had this feeling that I needed to come over here and talk to you. I'm a Christian and I love Jesus. 
is there anything I can pray for you about? And she was going through a hard time. She was one of those people that believes in serendipity. She had no walk with Christ. And I told her that Jesus loves you and he wants me to talk to you tonight. I got to meet with her one other time and hand her a Bible. And I talked with her and shared again. I have never heard from her again. But it's one of those experiences where, like, it wasn't me. That is the last thing I would have done was turn around and go to talk to somebody in the dark. It's late at night. It's dark out. She's sitting on the curb. You could tell she's just waiting for someone to come pick her up. And it was the weirdest, most awkward situation ever. But I knew it was right. And I knew that if I went home, I was going to kick myself for the next however many years that I didn't listen and obey in that moment. So I'm grateful that we did turn around, even though I tried every different way not to do it. But what came of that, I have no idea. But it's the Lord's. Jesus has a work that he's doing in her life. And maybe that Bible is something that she uses. I don't know. But that's not our job. And that's where it comes back to peace. I'm curious to hear different things that God's had me do what that's going to look like in heaven. Did you still feel really awkward or how did you feel after that conversation? I felt a relief. That twisting feeling, because as we drew farther away, that really twisted my gut. I felt this relief afterward, like I did what I was supposed to. Now my gut was still twisted because it was really awkward, but not in that I'm going to get sick kind of way. It's just like, if you didn't fight so hard against me, this wouldn't have hurt kind of thing. But no, it was this weight that came off my shoulders. Like it was a relief to talk to her. And you know what, as you were sharing that story, it made me think about our listener, because I'm sure there are moments in your life as a, in your walk with Jesus that you have felt this nudge by the Holy Spirit that said, hey, go engage with that person in whatever way it was, whether you felt like you should identify yourself as a follower of Jesus, whether you thought you should initiate prayer, whether you thought maybe you should share some truth of scripture in the middle of a situation that was very untruthful, whatever that was for you, and you felt that prompting of the Holy Spirit in your gut, I call that a crucial moment. We all have crucial moments, and in that moment, you have a choice to make. In that moment, you can either choose to push away that feeling and be disobedient and do nothing. That is a choice. Or you can choose to step forward and embrace the awkwardness, which is exactly what you did, and trust the Lord in that moment. And so I think it's good to make for ourselves almost a rule of life, if you will, as a follower of Jesus. We have a rule of life. We will embrace the awkwardness and trust Jesus when we sense that crucial moment. I had this crucial moment myself this past week. I lived near a lake and went out for a prayer walk one morning, and I'm praying to the Lord. I'm saying, hey, Lord, use me. Send me divine appointments today. Open my eyes. Help me not to be busy around my life and help me see the people that you are wooing to yourself, that person of peace. Help me be an instrument in your hands today, Lord, and speak life or whatever it is for that person. Guide me, Holy Spirit. Give me direction. Give me focus. And so after praying that prayer, I'm almost home, and I see a young man on a bluff, and he is heavily tattooed. He is blasting out heavy metal music. It's not even 7 a.m. He's got a skateboard, and he has got his head shaved. And in that moment, as I was walking by him, I thought, 
oh my gosh, he's scary. Is there anyone else in this park with me? And I'm looking around and I'm trying to walk past this young man as fast as I possibly can. And that's when, bam, felt that crucial Holy Spirit nudge in my gut, just like you, Kayla. And I knew the Lord said, go talk to him. And I had that moment where I said, but Lord, he is scary. And it was, again, really clear, go talk to him. And then I knew because I had previously decided I'm going to embrace the awkwardness. I'm going to be obedient and trust the Lord. I stopped, took a deep breath, like resolute breath, turned around and started to walk toward that young man. I knew that I only had seconds to find my words, just like you. And I said just almost the same thing you did. Hey, my name is Karen. I know this is so awkward. God must really love you because he just stopped me in my tracks and told me to just come on over to tell you how much he loves you. And is there anything I can be praying for you about? I'm a follower of Jesus. And then, boof, he looked up at me and just, he was stunned, Kayla. He was stunned. And his eyes teared up a little bit and he said, wow, I don't even know where to start. There's so much I need prayer for. So, bam, he is a secular young man, just really troubled in many things. And it, it, and I shudder to think, what if I had not been obedient in that moment? What if I just kept walking by and no one else, no other Jesus follower came by and said something to him that day? And it just really impressed on me this moment. We can't rely on our own understanding. My understanding was that guy's scary. <laughs> and I needed to get home fast. And for you, you thought, hey, this is not natural. This girl's in a dark alley by herself. I, this is awkward. But you did not rely on your own understanding in that moment. You made your husband and the kids turn around to go back so you could be obedient in that crucial moment. And wow, we've covered two ground rules. And the third one is manage your performance expectations. So this one, because none of us wants to mess up sharing Jesus. Kayla, have you ever wrestled with wanting results or performance to perform really well? What does that look like for you? I've got a story. This was a performance-based one, but it's not performance for me so much as performance from Jesus. I was praying for a miracle, and I didn't want to say Jesus because I didn't want to hold him accountable to actually making the miracle happen. So I work with refugees, and some of my students are Afghan. And last year, if you guys recall, the Taliban took over Afghanistan again, the U.S. left. During that time, I had some students that were back overseas visiting family that summer because they figured it was probably the last summer they were going to have a chance to visit their family for a long time because their writing was on the wall. Nobody expected it to happen that fast. Everybody thought they'd be able to get back home before the fall started. It was a nightmare. I had one of my students reached out to me and said, hey, we haven't been able to get to the airport. And I'm like, why not? They had, their baby was a citizen. They had their, um, their green cards. Like they were good, legal permanent residents. Like no problem, should definitely be able to get through the gate and get in. They couldn't get in. So I started helping them. We had four escape attempts, all failed. And then we got to the fifth one and they wanted to give up. And I was like, no, you can't give up. You're going to get out. You're going to get to the airport. And I never mentioned Jesus yet. I hadn't mentioned Jesus because this has been my student for years. 
I've been wanting to share the gospel with her, but I have held back. I wanted that relationship to be there because she has been my student for a while. But during this scenario, I'm like, the moment I mentioned Jesus, he's got to make it happen. And we got to the point that we were heading there. They got to the gate, but the rescue team hadn't arrived yet. And they were thinking about turning around. I'm like, no, you're going to stay. And I had it burning in my heart. And I finally said, I'm like, Jesus is going to save you. He's going to get you out. Don't think about the rescue team. Don't think about the Taliban. Just pray to Jesus because I promise you he's a God of miracles and he's going to make it happen. And I sent that message to them because we're communicating via messenger. And I, on the other side, I am crying like, God, please give us this miracle. I kid you not. It was hours of the same prayer, the same encouragement, me proclaiming that I have a God of miracles. Jesus is yours. Jesus is mine. Jesus will save. Pray. I'm praying in Jesus' name that he's going to get your family out. The husband was stateside because he was working to pay for their flights to do this whole trip. In my mind, during her escape, I imagined Jesus reaching into the crowd of people and pulling her and her children through that gate to get into the airport at the end. I can't describe the whole situation. There was no hope for them because they had only their scriptures, their traditions to lean on, which there's no hope. They had no hope that they were going to get out. But I had hope because I had Jesus, but I didn't want to use Jesus. Like It was hard for me to say his name because I didn't want to be like, okay, Jesus is going to do that. And then what if he fails? What if something happens? I can't predict if she's going to actually get out or survive this. I can't promise her that she's going to live through this whole situation. Like I couldn't promise anything. I had to give it all to Jesus and just put it on him and promise that my God could provide. And he did. And he made a miracle that day. But I tell you, the faith that it took to step over and that friendship that we've had that's been growing and to start proclaiming Jesus the way I've done, they still know what I believe. We have had discussions about Jesus since they've come stateside and having opportunities to share with them. But seeing God working, you have to put all your faith in Him. I couldn't control that situation. I couldn't get them out. I couldn't help. I couldn't get the rescue team. I couldn't do anything. I was helpless. The only thing I could do was call on Jesus. And the only thing they could do, because they had no hope, they wanted to turn around. They wanted to leave, but there's nowhere to go. And so you just gave it up to the Lord. It was that kind of faith. You just have to trust in the Lord. I love that. One of my husband Renaud's greatest fears when he was first learning to share his faith and pray together with people of other faiths and cultures like Muslims, like yourself, one of his great fears was many times these friends of other faiths, the first thing they would ask for was a miracle. And Renaud's greatest fear was, what if I ask for this miracle and God doesn't come through? Then what's God going to do to her faith? As if we can control that. As if we can control. And that's one thing you learned. That's a step of faith for yourself that, that grew you right there. And so we know that we have the one true living God, the mighty, awesome God who put the breath in our lungs and who move mountains, moves mountains, just the faith of a mustard set seed, set the stars in the sky. Amen. And it's so interesting that we hold back on telling others about him. Because we're afraid that he might not come through. But that's not for us to decide. If he's calling you to say something, say it. Just have faith in him. 
It's yeah. not on you. Exactly. Yeah, I felt like it was in that moment, but it definitely was not on me. It was not. Renaud, since then, many times he's prayed a prayer for a miracle, countless times since then. And most of the time, there have been no miracles. But those times that there have been, they've been spectacular. And the fact that those miracles didn't happen have never held someone back from becoming a follower of Jesus. So we can't understand the mystery of how God works in someone's life. We only have to trust Him, the author and perfecter of our faith. Wow, what a robust conversation today, Kayla. This has been awesome. Thanks for joining me and just sharing how God's been at work in your life. Any last words that you want to share? Everybody who's listening right now, just be encouraged to share. Don't be afraid. It's not your responsibility to save anyone. It's all Jesus. And just be at peace. Give that grace to yourself. Allow yourself to be able to share openly and just be confident that Jesus has the reins. We're called to be light. And we're the light, shining the light of Jesus. And just it's not our responsibility to save. We don't save. Right. Only Jesus can save. And so just let that burden off your shoulders. Just be open. Just love them. And when God tells you to do the impossible, don't feel like you have to make it happen. God's in control. We're not. And so just give Him that control and let it go. If He's called you to do something, trust Him. If it doesn't come out the way you expect, God's got a plan. Don't worry about it. We always want things to be perfect or the way that we expect them to be. And God's, nope, I'm the one in control. Just trust Him. Amen, sister. Thank you. So the bottom line is we are to know God and make Him known. And we're not responsible for the outcome. And so the three ground rules today. So the first one is that... What is it? You can't draw other people to Jesus. You do not have that power. Number two, you can't rely on your own understanding. This whole process of someone coming to faith in the Lord is a mystery to us. We just have to be obedient. And the last ground rule is to manage your performance expectations. Manage your performance expectations. I have a question for you, dear listener. So, This is a great time to think about how bad evangelism might have impacted your Christian witness and what burdens might you be placing on yourself around sharing your faith. And finally, which one of these three ground rules that Kayla and I unpacked today most resonated with you? What do you think the Holy Spirit is prompting you to think about or do differently from them. I want to invite you to take your learning deeper on this topic and read chapter 7 and 8 in my book, The Blue Cord. I'll put the links for that in the show notes. Thank you for joining me today, and I can't wait for you to hear next week's episode. Thanks for listening to this Blue Cord podcast. Don't forget, you can tap into lots of other Blue Cord, I hope, resources on our website. I'll leave that in the show notes so you can find it. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to review it on iTunes and take a screenshot and tag me on social media. That helps other women just like you find this show and build this Blue Court community. Got comments? Shoot me a message on Instagram or just head over to the ministry website, thebluecord.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Blue Court Podcast.